0: Good morning. It's good to be with you guys today. I've missed you. I've been away for a few weeks. I've been uh, filling in for other pastors that have been on vacation. So the last couple of weeks, I've been at First Baptist Church, and and uh, so it's good to be home. Amen. It's good to be home. I love you guys, and and uh, you are you are my home. I want you to know that. Uh, I, I tell our home fellowship group we met uh, Friday night at Glendale Campground, and Virgil he he whipped up some turkey strips for us. And as I pray, I I thank God for for the, the the people in my small group because I feel like they're treasures in my heart. They're little treasures that God's given me to help me get through this life, and uh, you know that's that's important to me. I never did have very many friends. You know, back when I was a, when I was growing up and a kid, until I come to know the Jesus, and then I found a lot of them. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, and it's kind of led me to think about my life as I was studying for this this passage. And we know last week we're in John chapter four. For those who uh, want to turn there, we're going to start at verse twenty-seven. But you know, Nathaniel preached on the first twenty. 25 verses last week and it's, it's a, the familiar story about the woman at the well you know and it just amazes me how Jesus seems to be drawn to those people who are well how you want to say it outcasts, those who society wouldn't accept normally and blackballed yeah and, and he reaches out to those people and, 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 and initiates a relationship with those who who don't feel like they're they're worthy that they don't feel like they fit in you know and sometimes Jesus was ostracized for that wasn't he but you know what I thank God that Jesus chases after the outcast like me because I don't know where I'd be without him, and it changed my life forever. And, and we're going to see how it changed this woman's life forever too. That 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 chance encounter on the at the well, and it changed not only her life, but it changed generations of people's lives after that. You know, and I I think about her, and I think a a, a good title for today's sermon would be the most highly effective least likely evangelist in the world. (laughs) Because, you know, what? I think God the Father must have been chuckling when he saw Jesus stop at that well because he knew what was going to happen. (laughs) That lady had no clue. (laughs) And neither did those people that she was going to go talk to, right? (laughs) They were just getting along with their lives and she was trudging towards that well in her lonely existence and she found a friend that sticks closer to the than a brother and it changed her life you know and it just amazes me that how those people who were considered religious and God's chosen people missed the Messiah coming after they'd studied the scriptures for their whole lives had the prophets sent to them to prophesying about this one, the Messiah who was to come. And he comes on scene. John the Baptist testifies about him. and, and uh, you know, and they encounter the religious leaders encounter Jesus at the temple in Jerusalem chapter two, as he's uh turning over the money changers' tables and driving out the animals and the and the people selling doves with a cord that he made or a whip that he made out of cords and they said by You know, and they knew who he was at that point, that he had been doing miraculous signs. He said, give us the signs and show us what authority you do these things. He says, you ask for a sign, I'll give you a sign. He said, you tear this temple down, and in three days, I'll build it back up again, I'll raise it up. You know, and they, thinking with physical minds, they thought that he was talking about a physical building. Then in chapter 3, we see Nicodemus, A highly esteemed well respected leader of the Jewish people and Jesus called him a teacher of Israel comes to him in the nighttime recognizes he is a rabbi he calls him rabbi he says, we know that you're sent from God because if you weren't you wouldn't be able to do the things that you're doing and Jesus cuts to the chase and he says you must be born again and it just kind of puts Nicodemus back on his heels what do you mean? Can a man enter into his mother's womb a second time? He's thinking in the physical and the mortal realm, not in the physical that Jesus was talking about. You must be born of water and of spirit is what Jesus told him. Why do you look so amazed? Because <laughs> I imagine he was. This was all new territory for Nicodemus. But he didn't get it. Jesus explained it to him and spent some time with him that night. And as far as we know, we know that he became a believer because at Jesus' death, he was the one who supplied for the spices and stuff for his burial. So we believe that he came to believe in the name of Jesus. But he didn't rush out and go tell his Pharisee friends about this encounter, did he? He missed. A good opportunity then we see in chapter 4 a Samaritan woman coming to this well as Jesus is heading back to Galilee he's tired from the trip and he's weary and she comes to draw water at noontime when all the other women would have came early in the morning she didn't want to elicit any rude remarks or snide comments, she didn't want to, to have to bear the weight of those people looking down upon her because she had been divorced five times and she was living with a man that she wasn't married to. So she came in the heat of the day to the well where she wouldn't encounter anyone, or so she thought. But there she encounters Jesus. Jesus asked her for a drink and she says, well, let's let me read it to you from there. Well, you know, you know, I'm not going to read it. He says, give me a, would you give me a drink of water? And he, she looks at him kind of astonished because she knows that he's a Jewish man and Jewish men do not associate with Samaritans first of all and they surely don't associate with women. And she asks him, how is it that you, a Jew, are asking me a Samaritan and a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? That's highly unusual. I've never had this happen before. And he responds to her, "If you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would ask him for a drink of living water that would become a well springing up to eternal life." And he began to talk to her, and and she says, "He, he says to her that to go get her husband, setting the trap for her, right?" He knows all about her he's omniscient he knows everything and he knew this woman and what her circumstance was and she speaks to him and says well sir I have no husband and Jesus responds you're correct in saying that you've been married five times you've had five husbands and the man that you're with now is not your husband immediately she recognizes that there's something different about Jesus and she responds saying sir Clearly you're a prophet. Then she changes the subject about worship, doesn't she? She don't want to talk about her existence and what, what she's in, the, the, the sin and full life that she's living in. So she starts talking about you Jews say we should worship in Jerusalem and we believe that we should be worshiped but on, on this mountain. And Jesus says, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come where you won't worship in Jerusalem or up on this mountain. You will worship in spirit and truth because that's the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And then she says, I, I don't know if this is a dig. I think Nathaniel kind of highlighted that too. He says, when, when the Messiah comes, he will explain everything to us. And he says, The one who's speaking to you is he. You know, and Jesus didn't reveal himself to the Jewish people. He didn't reveal himself to to Nicodemus as the Messiah. But he reveals his true self to this Samaritan woman at the well. And then when we when she hears that, it says in verse 27. He had sent his disciples off into Sychar to, to get some food, or they went to get some food. I don't know if he sent them or not, but they went. And they were, he says, just then, in verse 27, this is we're going to start and we'll re- read that. It says, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? And then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come. See a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do, not, do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages, and even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another one reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. And then it says in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of this, his words of his words, many more became believers. Then, get this, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the word, world. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we come before you and we give you thanks, Lord, that you reveal yourself to those who are low in stature that, that you might be glorified. This, this woman that you had the divine appointment with at that well changed her life. But it also, through her word, changed the lives of many. Father, the lesson we can learn here, it doesn't matter how far along we are in our Christian walk. We can all be evangelists to somebody. We can tell people what Jesus has done for us. Lord, I just pray that it, as this message springs forth, that people who would hear my words would understand and know that you are no respecter of persons you love us all equally and you want us to come to know the Father no matter what our station in life is how unworthy we might feel you died for us all that we may be counted in the number of the children of God so Lord I just pray that uh, this scripture today would would enlighten us, and it would bless us, and Father, it also would challenge us that we are workers for the harvest as well, and the fields in our, in our place where we are today are ripe for the harvest as well. So, Lord, I just pray that, uh, that Lord, that, uh, that your Holy Spirit would fall on each and every one of us today, and it would empower us and challenge us, and Father, that it would move us from this place where we love to come and meet and and uh, to have fellowship with one another, it would move us out of these, these four doors into the streets and into our communities amongst our families and our friends and our neighbors that they might come to know Jesus because of what he's done for us and we tell him about it. So we thank you for what you're going to do. We ask, Father, that in us, to us, and through us that you would be glorified. Amen. So we see that Just as Jesus is telling this lady, this woman, that, that let me just say this, that no no Jewish man in his right mind would even talk to Nobody, no Jewish would talk to a Samaritan period. They wanted to go out of their way. Most of the time, as Nathaniel talked about, if if somebody from, from Judea wanted to go to Galilee in the northern kingdom, they would skirt around Samaria so they wouldn't even step foot on Samarian land. Jesus went the direct route and he stopped there near that little town of Sychar he wasn't going to let geographical boundaries or social norms deter him from the work that God the Father had called him to do and there he met that woman at the well she was taken aback that Jesus would even talk to her you know because that wasn't normal in that culture in that time even Jewish men it was considered rude if a husband would, 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 would talk to his wife outside of their home. I mean, if he talked to another man, I guess if her husband was there, it was allowed. But if she was just talking to a strange man or, or a man that was not a family member, they, 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 they frowned upon that. That wasn't something you ever done. And in the Song of Solomon, I remember reading that, that uh, I think the woman in the Song of Solomon in chapter, I think it's eight, She says, "Oh, that you were my brothers, because I would take you outside and I'd kiss you." (laughs) And what that means, in the culture, it wasn't appropriate for a for a woman, a wife, to show affection to her husband outside of their home. If she was out on the street and out in public and and kissed her husband, oh Lord, have mercy! That wasn't even that was uncalled for. That was unacceptable. You know. But she says, I wish you were my brother because she could kiss her brother, but she couldn't kiss her husband. Go figure. That was just the way the culture was at that time. And this Jesus, the king of the Jews, is talking to not only a woman, but a Samaritan woman at the well. And he reveals to him to her exactly who she is, or who he is. So he says that... Who, that I who who speak to you am he, I am the Messiah. And just that time, you know, before Jesus told her, she still didn't know how he was going to get water. She was thinking out of her physical mindset too. How are you going to get water out of this well? How are you going to give me water? You don't have anything to dip it with. Where's your bucket? Yeah. But then when he spoke to her and said that I am he, who I am the Messiah, uh, then the disciples are coming back, Right. And the disciples, it says that they were surprised to find Jesus talking to this woman at the well. And it says here, but, you know, I guess because John must have knew what they were thinking, he says, but no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? And then it says that she left her water jar right there and went back to the, to the town. Well, there's two reasons I think that that's happening she is so excited to find out the news that Jesus revealed himself to her as the Messiah that she wanted to go tell the people in her village because like the, the Samaritans, like the Jews, they were longing and waiting for Messiah to come. She left her jar there because she didn't want to be hindered from the weight of carrying it. She wanted to get back there post-haste. She wanted to get back there as quickly as she could because she had something to tell those folks about Jesus and if she left that water jar there she had to go back to get it this woman of lowly stature who was looked down upon everybody who didn't go to that well in the morning with the other women because of the ostracization that would occur now is making her way as fast as she can back to that city to tell everybody that she can find about Jesus, how he told her everything she ever did. She didn't care about her past anymore because she knew Messiah had come and he was going to forgive her of her sins and, and, and she would, he would make her in right standing with God. She didn't care about her past anymore because she was looking to the future. The old has gone, new has come. And I remember that same feeling at 14 years old when I was an outcast. Didn't have a lot of friends, lost the one that I had when I was 12 years old, and I met Denny. And I remember going into town one time with a bunch of other guys and we were not even friends, we were just riding bikes down Main Street and one of the guys there was a local prominent guy that everybody knew and he pulled us over on Main Street there and he says, what are you boys up to today? And we, oh, we're just out riding our bikes he says, well, what's your name? And one kid says, my name is Ronnie and my dad's David and another kid says, well, my, na- name, my dad's name is John and... You know him, yeah, I know who you are, Bobby. And he looks at me, he says, "Yeah, and I know you too." And he just turned and walked away. I knew what he meant. And I didn't even worry than by those guys anymore. I just turned my bike around and I went back to home, and home didn't offer me any comfort much either. My father or my stepfather and I never got along. And most of the time, if it was fit weather, I just stayed outside, lived in the woods. But I remember in spring in 1975, Denny Chandley asked me if I wanted to go see this thing called an evangelist. And I didn't even know what that was. And that that man began to to speak, and I began to listen. And there wasn't nobody else in that whole church building. He was just talking to me. I know it. He was telling me about God's love, how God accepted him, and he gave his testimony. And I remember when he offered the invitation, with every eye closed, every head bowed, if there's one here that wants acceptance, wants love, wants to know Jesus, raise their hand. I about threw my shoulder out and at 15 years old my friend Denny Chanley took me up to that altar and he led me to the Lord and I feel like I know what that woman felt like at that moment because I remember walking back home I didn't even tell my mom and my stepdad what happened they were in bed when I got home I got up Got dressed, went to school by myself, and I walked to school from Everett Lane up by Southside School, Griffith Elementary, to the high school. And I know the excitement that that woman felt because I felt it in my heart, too. And I had to tell somebody about what happened to me. And on the way down southeast 11th Street, I just, I couldn't take it no more. I had to tell somebody. So I just jumped up on this porch and I knocked on this door. I don't even, it was a random le, little old lady coming answering the door in her housecoat with a cup of coffee. And I—then I, I, he had given me a track. You remember the little tracks that you, you passed out? Denny had given me one and I had one of them and I just handed it to her. And I, I said, ma'am, I don't know who you are but I want you to know that Jesus Christ saved me last night and he'll do the same for you. And I shoved that track in her hand and I says, it's the greatest feeling in the world. And she smiled at me and told me that she'd been a Christian for many years and she thanked me for blessing her with that message today. That, you know, and from that moment on I was accepted and I was loved. And I had a family outside of the one that God had put me in that was pretty dysfunctional. I know what that woman felt nothing else mattered but Jesus then nothing else nothing else so she went back to that village and I believe that she went to that village knowing how those people would feel about her when she began to talk but she didn't care anymore about her past and her sin all she cared about was Jesus the Messiah has come so she's going through her mind how she's going to say this and be have these people not reject her outright So she tells him, come and see this man at the well who told me everything that I ever done. Then she says this, could this guy be the Messiah? So when she asked the question, it wasn't a statement that they could discount. This is just a crazy woman, you know. Could this be the Messiah? That piqued their curiosity and they followed her back to that well, right? They wanted to see for themselves who she was talking about. So she's doing that. And then meanwhile, back at the, the well, just like scene two, we see that the disciples are saying to the, each other and, and, and tell, asking him, says, Rabbi, eat something. In verse, what is that? I can't get my glasses on. 31 says, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have bought, brought him food? <laughs> They missed it too, right? They're still thinking with mortal, uh, physical uh, things in mind, and Jesus is talking about the spiritual. They missed it. The religious leaders asking for a sign at the temple, they missed it. (laughs) Nicodemus, when he was told that he had to be born again, missed it. This woman, when she first encountered Jesus, where's your bucket? How are you going to get water to feed to give me a drink? Missed it now his disciples. Did somebody bring him a sandwich? They didn't get it either. Our mindset has to be from on the spiritual things of this life because this, this physical life is just temporary, just temporary. And then Jesus says this, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Then he gives this old saying, it says, Do you not say for months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. You know, and I believe as this discourse with his disciples is going on, Jesus knows what's taken place. He knows that that woman has gone back and, and told those menfolk and the people in that, in that little town of Sychar, that village, that she's encountered him and they're on their way back because they want to see for themselves if he truly is the Messiah. And as they're coming out of that village in their white tunics and their robes flowing, and I, I just have this vision in my mind. It's an arid place and it's hot and humid and, and these people are coming out and I could just see them walking across that flat desert plain and the heat waves are shimmering and these, all you can see is these white Things coming out towards this well, and Jesus saying, "Look, the fields are ripe for the harvest." And He's not talking about wheat; He's talking about souls. He's talking about the souls of men and women. And then He goes on to say, uh, "Even now the reaper draws his wages, and even now he harvests." The the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together who was the sower in this in this instance wasn't it not the woman she had went and she had sowed those seeds into those men that she talked to about I met a man who told me everything I ever done could this be the Messiah And those disciples were going to be the ones that was going to reap the benefit from her work and what she said. Now, I just want to tell you something, guys. You may not think that you have a good testimony to share with somebody as a witness for Christ. But I'm here to tell you that you do. And no matter where you are in your Christian walk, what you've been through, Every one of us has a story to tell about Jesus and the encounter we had with him in our lives. And that's important. Now I want to tell you something else that's powerful. Whether you grew up in the church or whether you have lived a, a, a life that you're not too proud of and God delivered you from many things, your story is powerful, your story is relevant, and it's not to be kept to yourself. Your story, your story is His story. It's a story of grace. It's a story of freedom. It's a story of glory and eternal life. And it has, listen to me, it has eternal value. Nothing else that we do in this life matters as much as telling somebody about Jesus. Nothing. I've said it before, I don't care if you're a great construction engineer and you build the tallest skyscrapers in the world it doesn't matter we've seen in 9-11 that they come tumbling down i don't care if you're a, a, a biophysicist that develops a cure for cancer or aids or or some other deadly disease we're all called to die someday and the only thing that matters is that we know jesus and we have eternal life That's what counts. Your story is powerful. It is going to be effective, but it's not going to be unless you say it and tell somebody. Share your faith, and it doesn't matter, oh, I'm afraid what might people might think. I didn't care what that little woman thought about me when I shared the testimony of my faith with her the day that I got saved. I was excited. Are you excited? Many of you were here when I came back to the Lord. I fell away for a lot of years, and I felt like I couldn't even step foot back inside of a church for about 20 years. But the moment I rededicated my life was when we were meeting at the, at the auditorium up there. And Nate Yoder was speaking that day about how when the Holy Spirit touches you, you're never the same. And I said, Lord, I need you, and I want you in my life. And I accepted him, and I, I asked for forgiveness and and he brought me back into the fold and into the family of God. And I don't know if you remember, but, man, I was excited then, too. I'd go out, and we were, we were fixing up this old, the old St. Vincent de Paul building over here, or St. Vincent, whatever it was. Remember, short? We were painting in there and doing all that work, and, and the people coming from the taverns was walking down the street, and I'd go get them and bring them in. I wanted them to know Jesus. I want everybody to know Jesus. How about you? But you know what? As many times, I remember walking into the Angle, I think it was the Angle Inn one time, I was waiting for a pizza. We'd ordered a pizza and I was going to go pick it up and had about 10, 15 minutes to kill before it, before it was uh, ready. So I just went into the Angle Inn bar, sat down and ordered a Diet Coke. And I began to sit down and talk to a guy at the bar about Jesus. The Holy Spirit came on him and he's, you know, he's just bawling his eyes out. And I was trying to witness to him and, Barmaid's looking at me like, what are you doing to him? Well, I wouldn't do anything with the Holy Spirit. But I wanted him to know about Jesus. You know, and people began to watch and look and stuff, and I just shared a little bit about God's love and how God loved him. And he said, Well, these people here, you know, I thought they loved me. And when I had my 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 disability check come in a couple days ago, and when I had that, boy, they all loved me because I was buying them drinks and everything else. He said, now I'm almost out of money and there ain't nobody sitting around me nobody buy me a drink and I began to tell him about the story about the woman at the well and how he said that he would give a drink that would lead to eternal life and the well is spring up in a, as a well of living water to eternal life and you know and I, I don't know if he ever accepted the Lord or not but I planted that seed in him you know and we're not going to be this, the reapers all the time we're, we, we're called to be sowers Somebody else might reap, but we share in the joy when people come to the Lord. Amen. I think it says in the scriptures that Jesus said that that it, when one soul comes to comes back to faith in Jesus Christ, that all this, there's a celebration in the heavenlies, right? All of heaven rejoices. Well, we should too, because that is something somebody just gained eternal life through Jesus Christ. So it says that. Uh, you know that when we started harvest, that's what it was all about. We'd pray for the, that that we would be harvest, or workers for the harvest. And that's what we've been about all ever since. That's what got me so excited. I wanted people to know Jesus. I hope you're that excited too, because we're all called to be evangelists in some place, sometime, somehow. So anyhow, those disciples were about ready to to start reaping. What that woman had sowed in that little village of Sychar. And then in verse 39, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And that was unheard of, too, because here a Jew, uh, uh, the, the Messiah, you know, a Jewish man was going to stay in a Samaritan town for two more days. You know, and that was. You know, they weren't considered, they were considered, like, like Nathaniel said, they were considered hybridized Jew, Jews or, or, or a mishmash of nothingness. They, their theology was not quite what, it, what the Jewish people thought it was, and they looked down on them because they had intermarried with pagans and, and had taken on some of their religious customs as well. So for Jesus to stay with them two days was kind of a. astonishing too for that time period and it says that uh, they, and because of his words many more became followers or believers and get this look at this the next verse this woman who was a down outcast in their society and looked down on by everybody this is what the people of that village told her They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. We have now heard for ourselves and we know that this really is the Savior of the world. Man, because of her testimony and her words, her whole village went out to see Jesus. And because Jesus came and shared with them, they too now recognize him as, as the Messiah. And it says after two days he left for Galilee. And then that Jesus pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. <laughs> then it says that the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem and at the Passover feast, for they also had been there. But we know that opposition's coming, right? We know that that's the reason why he left Jerusalem was because he saw opposition was on the, hor- on the horizon, so he was heading back to the north country, but it's getting ready to follow him there. And the people who he came to first, the Jews, the Israelites, the people, the chosen people of God, weren't going to give him the same welcome that he got in a, in a Gentile or a Samaritan town. They were considered worse than Gentiles. But the Gentiles, or the Samaritans rather, were the ones who openly accepted him and received him. So what can we take from this message? That Jesus uses even outcasts like me and you to bring forth his kingdom. He accepts us even though maybe society we don't. He loves us unconditionally anyway. He wants to use us to bring more people into the kingdom of God and the family of God. And if we would just ask him, Jesus would stay for us a little longer too in our hearts and reveal things to us that we have questions about. Never discount your worth to Jesus. Are you hearing me? Don't ever discount your worth to Jesus because he loved you enough to die for you. He loved you to death and back again. And no matter where you're at in your walk with the, with the Lord, no matter where you're at, whether you're just a recent new convert or, or you've been a, a believer for many years, God wants to use you to bring other people into the family of God. Are you up for the challenge? That's my challenge to you today because I'm sure you're sitting here right now and God's putting somebody in your mind that maybe you ought to talk to about about Jesus somebody that you want to see in heaven someday and I don't want you to be discouraged either you may feel a newfound boldness after this message to go out and speak to somebody and they may not accept him right away and you might just be the reaper or I mean the sower you might be the one that's planting the seeds and 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 it might take a little while for that thing to to germinate and to grow and to see fruition. But tell them anyway. Tell them anyway. Be obedient to what the Holy Spirit's prompting you to do. Amen? Because it doesn't matter what your past is. It's gone. (laughs) It's gone. Jesus erased that with the blood on the cross, right? When he shed his blood on the cross. The only thing that matters is the future. The future leads to hope. Hope for eternal life. Amen. So, Lord, just let's go to the Lord and pray. We're going to have a baptism today, so I don't want to go too long. But, Father, Lord, we come before you today. And, Lord, I thank you so much that you come and have a divine appointments for us lowly folks who don't feel like we're worthy don't feel like we're loved feel like outcast but you came for people just like us Father And when we come and experience you anew for the first time and, and, and know believe and know that you are the Messiah you're our Messiah for us you come to deliver us personally on a personal level you did that through your through your your death and your resurrection when we come to understand and know that and we get excited about it we want people to know our past doesn't matter it doesn't matter what we've done The only thing that matters is what jesus done for us and we get excited so we want to tell somebody so lord i just pray that we wouldn't be uh, we wouldn't be we wouldn't shirk that that feeling that we would let people know that we've decided to follow you, Jesus. That they might come to follow you as well. We can do that because you empower us by your spirit that lives within us. Father, as we come today, I just give you thanks that, that Father, you did come and you did die for us. And you, you, you were raised again. You set at the right hand of the Father. And as we prepare for our communion, Father, we remember what what your, your blood did for us when you shed it on the cross. We remember the body that was pierced for our transgressions. We remember, Lord, that by your wounds we've been healed, and through faith in you we have been born into. That leads to eternal life and we give you thanks we aren't perfect lord but because of you we've been forgiven so father i just (laughs) i'm just in awe of you and i thank you so much for all that you've done for allowing me to be a part of these people that i love so much when i felt like i was all take communion today I just as we always do we ask for folks if they've never made that commitment to surrender their life over to you to ask you to forgive their sins and to come into their hearts there ain't no day like as good today as day is today we are all here we're all saved by your grace and we all have fallen short of glory because of our sin nobody was without it we've all been there and we've all done that that's right max but because of the blood of jesus we all can be redeemed and saved so lord we just ask if anybody's here and they have never did that have they've never accepted you as their lord and savior they've never asked you to come into their hearts they've never asked you to be the lord of their lives that that they would just wherever they're sitting you know, they don't even have to come up here. Just raise your hand and people will come and they pray for you where you're at. Jesus is here and in this room there is no condemnation. None whatsoever. There's only love, There's only love and acceptance. So whatever it is, I pray, I pray that, that what you came looking for here today, I pray that you don't leave this place without getting it. And the only way you're going to get it is for asking, is to ask God for it. So, Father, we just thank you for your gift. We ask, Father, that uh, that you start ministering to the, to the hearts of those who are here. You know us better than we know ourselves, Lord. You know exactly what we need. So, Lord, I pray that uh, that those who are being prompted by your Spirit to move and act on those. Promptings today that they wouldn't deny them, that they wouldn't suppress them, that they would say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I receive in Jesus' name. So, Father, we we thank you for what you're going to do, and for those who are about to to publicly show what you mean to them by taking the taking the uh, the baptism here. We're, we just thank you for that, Father. But right now, Lord, we just come to. To remember the life and the death that you gave us through the the taking of communion. We ask, Father, that in us, to us, through us, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, go ahead and get ready. We have elements set up on four tables in in the corners of the room for those who want to partake. The invitation's open. Come to the table of grace. And if anybody needs prayer... We're here.